Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hey guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I have a little fun and we talk about the six points legendary fund manager, Peter Lynch, may say to the millions of new investors buying individual stocks for the very first time. From knowing the fundamentals, separating luck from skill, being able to articulate a story around the company you're buying, thinking long-term, and not looking at stocks as lottery tickets. Sprinkled in the discussion are quotes from Lynch and some of our thoughts as well. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the discussion. So this week we're going to have um, a little fun and hopefully um, provide some educational content, investing content along the way here. I wrote an article. It was actually a two-piece article, and I used this um, what's going on with retail uh, traders right now. Basically, there's been a huge um, amount of new investors coming online since the shutdown, and there's various reasons for that. Um, You know, sports uh, is obviously off, so people that are want to bet and gamble, they've kind of like moved their way into the stock market. But just some of the statistics around this is, I think in the first first quarter of this year, Robinhood added 3 million new investor accounts, um, which was, you know, that's millions and millions of new investors coming online. And even I read something like E-Trade opened up more new accounts in March than they had in any year ever historically. And I think E-Trade like has been around for like 25 or 30 years. So there's clearly a lot of demand for individual stocks right now. And what what I thought I, I, I'd do with this article is um, I thought I'd try to outline what would Peter Lynch, the former um, star manager of Fidelity Magellan, what would he say to these new investors? Um, because Lynch, as I pointed out in the article, was interviewed for Barron's in December of last year. He was actually advocating, you know, individuals investing in stocks. But I think Lynch would be, while he would be cautiously optimistic about this new demand and all these new investors coming online, I also think he would have, you know, many lessons um, to share with them and words of wisdom that I think are important. And so that's what I tried to do with this article. So let's just get into it. So the first point that I um, came up with is... um, sixth grade math and fundamentals. And what he basically said in that Barron's interview is, don't invest in the company before you look at the financials. If you made it through fifth or sixth grade math, you can ha- you can, you, if you made it through fifth, fifth, sixth grade, you can handle the math. And so I think most beginning investors probably aren't overly focused on the fundamentals, but they should be looking at certain things. So that's what I tried to sort of point out with this point is, you know, there are certain very simple fundamentals that can be looked at. Yeah, you know, I think just taking a step back to the whole premise of the article, I think this is a great idea because there's this belief a lot of people have that this has to end badly. You know, what's going on with all these Robinhood traders, you know, that some of them are buying bankrupt companies, some of them are buying Tesla, which has already tripled this year. Some have even gotten into options and things like that. And, you know, everybody is out there saying these people have to blow up. This has to end badly. And I think that's probably mostly true. I mean, people who are buying bankrupt companies, probably at least for this round, are going to have some problems. But what you're getting at in the article, which is really important, is 
This is this is bringing people into investing who otherwise wouldn't be in investing. And if they're going to come into investing and they're going to lose a little bit of money now, but it's going to keep them in investing and they're going to learn to invest the right way going forward, that can be a real positive. And you know, the types of things you're talking about in this article are really good because for if people can learn these lessons the hard way, learn it with a little bit of money, but then come on and, and learn how to truly invest for the long term, that can be a really positive thing. And, and you know, your first point is a really good one. And it's, it's an interesting one, too, because these guys are investing. The people that are coming to investing right now are coming. And we talked about this in a previous podcast. They're coming to investing during a period where some would argue fundamentals don't matter at all. And so right now, at least, these types of things you're talking about aren't working really. You know, if, if you're, is the company profitable? Is, you know, is it cheap? None of that really matters right now, but eventually it will. And right. so I think that really is a lesson people could take from Lynch is once this blows up, which it probably will, eventually, you know, if, if I'm going to establish a sound foundation to invest upon, this, these are the types of things you're going to have to look for. You know, if you're not going to index your money and if you want to try to, to pick stocks, these are the types of things you're going to have to look for in order to figure out which stocks to invest in. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. So just real quick, a couple of things that I said, you know, and like you said, it might not matter in the here and now, but over the long term, these fundamentals are important. Is the company profitable? Does the company have a lot of debt? Is the company growing? What is the valuation? Do insiders own the stock? Does a company pay a dividend? And then I kind of expanded on each of these things. And by the way, this is just very high level stuff. But you know, for investors that want to look at the fundamentals, those are, I think, are good starting points um, that are important um, and will be important uh, over time. Um, so moving on to the second point is uh, don't confuse luck with skill. And what I meant here is if you started investing let's say in the broader market or in many of these individual stocks around March, people are probably up significantly. But what investors also, especially new investors need to understand is that the second quarter for the stock market was one of the best stock markets in history, um, coming off of one of the worst. So you shouldn't confuse the fact that maybe you're up 30, 40, 50, 60, however much you are with the fact that you're a skillful investor. Um, it, I think, has more to do with timing luck than anything else. And, and sort of the quote, I'll let you comment on this too, Jack, but the quote that sort of I pulled from Lynch is, you know, he basically says, you know, you're going to buy stocks regardless of whether things look rosy or bleak. The, the thesis underlying everything, whether you're, active, whether you're in an actively managed fund or a passive fund, is the U.S. will be okay. If you don't believe that, you shouldn't be in the stock market. So what Lynch was really saying here is that, you know, you're investing through thick and thin. And... My only fear is that a lot of investors, their a formative experience for them is going to be this the last few months of the market, and opportunities like that come around maybe once every ten or fifteen years. So, um, do you have any sort of additional things there? Yeah, no, it's really important to understand that in in a game where luck plays a role, you over short term periods luck can be a massive indicator of how well you do. And with a market, it can even be, there's a lot of luck in one-year returns. There's a lot of, there's luck in three-year returns. There's luck in five-year returns. There's even luck in 10-year returns. And so, like you said, if, if, I'm, if I invested at the bottom in March and I bought you know, some of these cheap value stocks, airlines or something, I've done really, really well but how much of that was my skill and how much of that was just I was in there at the right time. And when you get the sometimes the worst possible thing that, you know, we talked earlier about how these bankrupt people are investing in these bankrupt companies. It might actually be a good thing because they might learn from it. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen is when you have a great thing that happens when you first invest. 
because then you think you're invincible. And then you end up, instead of making a small mistake at the beginning, you end up making a major mistake down the road. And so this is one of the toughest things to understand because you look back and you say, all right, you know, this, this cheap stock I bought was so cheap. It was so obvious at the time. You know, I knew it was going to go up, and then it doubles. But the reality is it wasn't so obvious. There were other paths. There were other outcomes that could have gone the other way. There were other things that could have happened where you could have lost a lot of money. And so this, is good. this plays at the whole process over outcome thing. Is It's very hard to do, but you have to look at the process that got you the results, especially over short-term periods, more than you look at the results themselves. And for someone who's just starting out and investing, that's probably impossible to do. But it's something you need to do because some, some of these early successes can lead to much bigger failures down the road. Yeah, that's, great. that's a great point. Um, the third, uh, my third uh, thing that I came up with was avoid cutting your flowers and watering your weeds. And this was something, Lynch has a quote um, he wrote, and it's selling your winners and holding your losers is like cutting the flowers and watering the weeds. And actually, Warren Buffett, um, when he read that, he um, loved that quote so much that he actually called Lynch personally and asked him if he could use that in one of his annual shareholder letters. And what this idea, um, or what Lynch is really getting at here, and anyone that is invested in, a, let's say, a, a, a individual stocks probably knows this by looking at their portfolio, um, a lot of times what investors do is they sell their winners and they like double down on their losing positions. Now, I'm not advocating like you know active day trading here, but the point is, is that when you have companies that Lynch looked for, which were like growth-like companies, some of the very best performers, and this is true of the stock market in general, um, produce returns that are 10, 20 baggers, as Lynch would call it. There's not a lot of them, but those are the ones that can have you know, a massive impact on your overall portfolio's performance. So the point here is you know, sometimes if you're lucky enough to find the next Amazon or the next company that goes on to deliver those types of returns, a lot of times those stock returns can be much more than you expect. So um, it doesn't always pay to be doubling down on your losers and you know um, selling your winners and, and taking profits. I am I'm so terrible at this because this is the exact opposite of what like naturally I want to do. I always want to buy stuff, buy more of things when they get cheaper. And I guess that's because I'm a value guy. But you, you see this pretty consistently among some great investors is they'll say the same thing. They'll say, like, it's been really important to add to positions that go up and to maybe reduce positions that go down. And, and part of that can be if you have a thesis as to why a stock is working and that thesis plays out, do you want to have valuation be the only reason you abandon that? So do you want to – and on the flip side, if, if you have a thesis and the thesis doesn't work out but the stock gets cheaper – do I want to buy more of that? And, you know, I tend to be the guy that says, all right, I bought this stock because it was cheap. Now it's even more cheap. I should buy more of it. But I, th I think you're right about this. I think that it's something I have to overcome. And I think you see this a lot in the great investors is they're willing to it, – it's hard to keep paying up for something. But I think the great investors are willing to do it when they know that they've got a really good investment and they know the story that they thought was going to play out is actually playing out. Yeah, and it might be a little bit of a value and growth thing. I mean, Lynch was more growth at a reasonable price and – you know, I think of guys like Ron Barron, who's a pretty successful fund manager, and, you know, he's sort of a huge bull on Tesla. Whether or not that comes to fruition over the next 10 years, you don't know. But, you know, if some of the things that he believes are true, then, you know, yeah, Tesla could be maybe a lot more valuable in the future. Um, so, you know, who knows? But that's just uh, 
those are that's just an interesting I think thing to think about and, and Lynch obviously advocated sort of letting your winners run but you you had to be in the, the names and understand the story and the growth type stocks that you know um, deliver those types of returns um, the fourth point um, was well let me ask you this Jack how often do you uh, call your mom <laughs> well, probably like once a week, right? Yeah, I probably should yeah, yeah, yeah. do something like that. No, no, that's how, I call my mom like once a week too. So, so the, the point here is I said, you know, can you explain it to your mother? So, you know, what Lynch advocated in that Barron's piece was, you know, when you buy an individual stock, you should really have five, you should understand the five reasons why something is going right for the company. And you should be able, I think, to explain it and explain it pretty quickly. So I just kind of use the mom thing to say, you know, if you can explain it to your mom in under like 90 seconds, you know, you know probably the story. Whether or not those are the things that drive the stock, I mean, you don't know. But I think it's important to understand sort of the investment thesis and the company's business. So the things that I came up with, the the, the points, I, I found five of them pretty simple. What's the company's main business? How does the company make money? What are the company's competitive advantage, advantages and who its competitors are? What are the main growth growth drivers and what are the risks to the business? So I think if you know you're investing in a stock and you can kind of answer those basic questions, you're well on your way to being able to explain it to someone and knowing the story and what's working for the company. And this gives it that whole thing of simple versus complex. You know, a lot of times people, me included, think the more complex something is, the better it's going to do. And, you know, relating this back to what we do with quant models, you know, we tend to think, all right, if we've got this, you know, black box model with 50 variables, that's going to do better than something that's very simple that does four major things. And a lot of times that's not the case. You know, a lot of times, like he said, you know, if you can explain in a simple way what it is you're doing and why it is you're doing it, that's enough. You know, you don't need all of this other stuff mm. on top of it. And that, that's something that relates to the quant world just as much as it relates to what you're talking about. Because we, I think we all have a tendency to over, you know, complicate things and to think that something is just better because it's more complicated. But a lot of times you just have to get at what are the core reasons I'm doing something? And, and, you know, let's bet on those core reasons and let's not worry about all this other stuff. So I think, I think that's a good point. The fifth um, thing that I came up with was understand that stocks are not lottery tickets. So Lynch said, you know, stocks are not, aren't lottery tickets behind every stock as a company. If the company does well over time, the stocks do well. And what I highlighted here was um, there was an article and also there used to be a site. They don't do it any, just the other day, they kind of took the API down, but that would track how many accounts have added stocks over different periods of time. So you could see over the last three hours, 24 hours, one week, 30 days, how many accounts actually added stocks to their account. Um, so, you know, I, I'll, this is in the article, but, you know, it shows that the number one stock was Apple and Apple, 175,000 accounts added Apple over the last 30 days. The next one was, was Tesla. So that had 133,000 accounts added Tesla. The next one was Microsoft. So I can't help, and listen, I'm not saying these aren't like great companies. If you go down the list like Kodak's on here, obviously there was something that happened with them where they were like really, it was a really, really low stock price and then it was up like significantly. So investors were piling into that. So it seems a little bit like lottery ticket type investing, like buying sort of these stocks that are up the most. I bet on most brokerage platforms, you would see similar type of patterns, which is big stocks like Apple and popular story stocks like Tesla are probably getting accumulated by many investors. But I just thought that the data and what's happening in the market 
sort of lended itself to understand that, you know, these aren't just lottery tickets and pieces of paper. You're actually buying stakes in companies and you're, you're buying the right and you're entitled to the future cash flows of that company as a shareholder. Yeah, eventually the fundamentals have to matter to some degree. And you know, right now, if I'm if I'm on Robinhood and I'm buying these stocks, I'm probably I mean, how many people that bought Kodak? Now, the Kodak thing was a function of the Trump administration gave them you know a grant, which I think make they're going to be making pharmaceuticals or something right, like that. Right. There was um, something but there behind it. Yeah. The question is, how many people are digging into the fundamentals of Kodak? Or, or as an even better example, like these bankrupt companies people are buying, how many of them actually sat and you know pulled up the balance sheet of that company and, and decided whether they can make it? Probably none of them. And, and that gets to the point that eventually, to be a good investor, you have to actually look at what you're investing in. You know, you're not just buying a piece of paper that keeps going up because if if the company does eventually go bankrupt. This, the stock is going to, I mean, it, you may not lose all your money, but you're going to lose the vast majority of it. So, you know, that's, it's, it's important to understand that eventually you have to have some sort of fundamentals behind the scenes and you're not just buying something, you know, you're, you're not in Las Vegas gambling here. You actually are buying a legitimate ownership percentage of a legitimate company. And if that company doesn't continue to exist, you're in trouble. Or if that company doesn't deliver on the results that are expected, you're going to lose some money. So I, I think you're right about that. It's important to understand that eventually this does come back to fundamentals and you're not just buying a piece of paper. The last point, which is something that Lynch didn't say, but I think Lynch would agree with this, this sort of um, idea that, you know, nothing – Nothing in life is really free. And what I mean by that, what I was trying to get at there is, I mean, what Robinhood has done kind of put in motion like this sea change in the online brokerage business with um, places moving to basically zero commissions. Um, but, and, and that's great. I mean, that's saving investors that are trading. I mean, they're not paying basically commissions anymore. Um, it probably encourages investing like you were saying earlier. Um, getting more new investors in the market. I think that that's a really good thing um, over time as many of those investors hopefully graduate and become not traders, but actually investors. But, you know, the Robinhood makes money and the way they make money is payment for order flow. So what's happening is as those trades are placed on Robinhood's platform, basically market makers are in turn paying them to route their orders to those market makers and market makers are making a profit on the difference between the bid and the ask. And so there is a spread in there. Robinhood is getting paid for payment of order flow and it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the best execution um, on those orders. So that's just something to keep in mind. I think it's, it's sort of in the weeds a little bit, but just, just in life in general, I think that that's true. If something almost seems too good to be true, it, it probably is. And, you know, it's not like Robinhood's doing this out of the kindness of its heart. Um, you know, there's an underlying business there, and that's how basically they make money. And some, in some cases, it may not be always best for the um, investor in terms of the actual execution. Yeah, these companies are trying to make money. I mean, ultimately, there's always a cost. And, you know, you referenced the payment for order flow. Another example is, you know, many brokerage firms will require you to hold a certain cash balance and they'll pay you a much, you know, a below average rate on the cash balance and they'll make the money that way. But I think ultimately the, the biggest cost of this free commission thing might be the actual losses of people. So I think we, we can tend to get trapped in, all right, I'm saving $3 here and I'm day trading all day, and maybe the biggest cost of that is the actual money I'm losing in my portfolio and not necessarily you know, the, the $3 commission I lost. So I, I think it, the free commissions has a tendency to have a negative effect because it encourages you know, pretty much any study you look at will say trading is you know, 
bad for you. You know, the, the people that just sit on their portfolios do a lot better than the people that are actively trading. So ultimately, you know, that cost may be a lot more than the three dollars you're saving by, you know, losing the, the not having to pay commissions anymore. Yeah, and just to kind of wrap this up, I'll just read sort of my final uh, one of the final paragraphs here. I, I, I wrote, ultimately, I think Peter Lynch would say congratulations to these new investors. You've taken the first step in investing in the markets. Buying individual stocks is one of the most powerful ways to grow your wealth over time. But in order to get the most out of what stocks can offer, I basically said, I believe Lynch would say, just as he's been saying the same thing for the last 30 or 40 years, you want to buy what you know, you know, you want to look at the fundamentals, you want to take a long-term view, you don't want to let market decline scare you out of stocks, and you want to know the story uh, behind the names you own. So that's how I sort of concluded my two articles on what I think Lynch would say to these um, new investors. Yeah, no, I can't say any better than that. That's a great summary. Great. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and um, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at @practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at @jjcarbono. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.